Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this week are very powerful, and they're about a theme that is difficult to talk about. It's a topic in the spiritual life that most of us would like to avoid. I'm talking about forgiveness. Now, we all love to be forgiven, but forgiving others, that's another story. Listen now how the author of the book of Sirach describes this. Wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. Isn't that true, by the way? Stay with that image. Wrath and anger, they're hateful things, but we sinners, all of us, we hold them tight. We like our wrath in some ways. We like our anger. We hang on to them. We don't let go of them. We don't want to forgive. The vengeful will suffer the Lord's vengeance, for he remembers their sins. Forgive your neighbor's injustice. Then when you pray, your own sins will be forgiven. Oh, that correlation between God's forgiveness of us, our forgiveness of others. Between our willingness to forgive and our capacity to be forgiven. Those are closely tied in the spiritual life. Though we'd like to deny this, we'd like to run away from it. We cling to our resentments. We cling, we hold fast to our hatreds. The gospel story is that wonderful parable about the man who has been forgiven by his master for his many, many debts. And yet he strangles those under him who owe him much less than he himself owed. And the people find this terrible and off-putting. The relationship between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. You know, the key to this is actually in our second reading. A little passage from Paul to the Romans. Listen as Paul speaks. None of us lives for oneself. No one dies for oneself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. I've tried to sum this up by saying that one of the key themes in the spiritual life is your life is not about you. Your life, it's yours, yes, but it's not about you. You belong to God. Whether you live or die, you live for the Lord, you die for the Lord. This is the great shift in consciousness required by all believers. We love to think it's our plans, our projects, our desires, our hopes. Finally, it's God's plans for us. God's desires for us. God's projects for us. Our existence, the totality of who we are, is not ours, but rather comes to us from God as a gift. Therefore, the whole of our lives is for God's purposes, serves God's ends. Friends, when we allow this to sink in, 
what we find is the capacity to forgive. Now, why? The incapacity to forgive comes from one place. It comes from a substantial sense of the self. What I mean is that I belong to me. I belong to my life. It's about me. I have things that are coming to me. I have things that are owed to me. My dignity has been compromised. You've gotten my way. But see, when you've made this transition that I've talked about, when you realize your life is not about you, everything in you is a gift, therefore you exist as an, to be an instrument of God's peace, when you make that transition, then you find that real forgiveness is possible. You don't need to cling to your hatreds. You don't need to cling with this terrible sense of self-righteousness. You exist under God and for God. And this is precisely why the scriptures make this link between the divine forgiveness and our forgiveness of others. Listen, if we go on purely humanistic grounds, you should forgive people. Now, forget about God, but you should forgive people on humanistic grounds. It won't work because the concerns of my ego will always intervene. The concerns of justice will always interfere. What I'm owed, what I have coming to me. Only when we put our forgiveness of others in relation to God's forgiveness of us will we be able to do it. Our lives don't belong to us. Let me tell you a story from the tradition of the Desert Fathers. These were those very early monks who lived in the harsh Egyptian desert way back in the 2nd and 3rd centuries. Stories told about one of the Desert Fathers who lived in the wilderness, but not too far from a small village. In the village there was a young woman who became pregnant. She was very ashamed, very embarrassed, and she wanted to protect the young man who had impregnated her. So she blamed the monk. She said, that monk came in from the wilderness. He raped me. He's the father of the child. Well, the town was indignant. They went out to the monk. They accused him. He denied her story, but they didn't believe him. And they said, in punishment, you must raise this child. The monk meekly said, yes, I will. Though he was innocent, unjustly accused, he agreed not to condemn the girl and agreed to raise the child. Ten years passed. He grew to love this child. Ten years passed, and the woman finally admitted that she had lied. She admitted that he was innocent. The monk forgave her. And then she said, I would like my child back. This child whom he had raised, whom he had come to love, this child who was given to him in this terrible time of injustice, he gave him back. How often do you forgive your brother or sister? Seven times? No, says Jesus, not seven times, but I tell you, 70 times, seven times. How often do you forgive? Always, always, always. Even when it's a great injustice, yes. Even when it's supremely unfair what they did to you, yes. 
Seven times? That many times? No, 70 times, seven times. Why was the monk able to do that? Why was he able to live in that kind of generosity and forgiveness? Because he knew his life was not about him. They came, they accused him. Unjustly, unfairly. If his life were about him, he would give all his energy over to attacking his accuser, defending himself at all costs. His life was not about him, and he knew it, and saw this as an opportunity of grace. So we are called to forgive those who harm us. How about some advice, concrete advice, in how to become better forgivers of sin? First one, keep your own sins frequently before your mind's eye. Keep in mind frequently your own sins. I know we want to forget them. What are we very good at? We're very good, exceptionally good at keeping the sins of others before our mind's eyes. Be honest now, those listening to me. Don't you often sit back at the end of a long day and purposely remind yourself of all the ways that you've been offended? The way sometimes you, you draw on a, an aching tooth in a sort of perverse way, making it ache even worse. Aren't there times when you revisit old hurts? Remember what someone said, what somebody did. We're very good at that. That's very easy. What's very difficult is keeping our own sins before our mind's eyes. To realize viscerally, I don't mean just intellectually, to realize in our guts that we have been forgiven far more than we've been offended by others. Remember your own sins. Concrete ways to do this? Use the confidior at Mass. How often those words just kind of, oh, trip past the lips. Beginning of Mass, when we say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. When the priest says, let's pause for a few moments and call to mind our sins, Are we daydreaming? Or do we take that opportunity concretely to remind ourselves of our need to be forgiven? Use the confidior at Mass. Lord, I confess I've sinned. Use the Lord's Prayer. Again, words that just sort of trip off the tongue. But at the very center of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There's a correlation there that's not just accidental. We beg for the Lord's forgiveness in the measure that we become forgivers of those around us. We cannot simply say, Lord, forgive me, and then not forgive those who have offended us. There's a correlation between the two. Use the confidior at Mass. Use the Our Father as a concrete way of calling to mind your own sins. And then you'll find, I think, it's easier to forgive those who have sinned against you. Second recommendation, go to confession. You know, we could do a whole series of sermons on confession. The fact that it's 
largely fallen away now in the years after the council. It's a great tragedy, really, in the life of the church. We have to find a way to revive this sacrament, this central sacrament. Essential to Jesus' preaching was the word of forgiveness. How is that forgiveness made real? How is it applied to the soul? Precisely through this great sacrament. Use it. Use it. If you've fallen away, go back. Use it frequently. Seeking the Lord's forgiveness. Admitting our sinfulness. It's a way of making you a better forgiver. Third recommendation. Forgive offenses quickly. The Bible says, don't allow the sun to go down on your anger. That's very good advice. You're angry about something? You've been hurt by someone? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't let that resentment sink into your soul. People can hold resentments for days, weeks, months, years, decades. You know what I'm talking about? It's sunk so deeply into their souls that now it's impossible to forgive. It's as though that's become part of the structure of their being. Don't let that happen. Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly when someone's hurt you. Reconcile quickly. Don't let the devil work on you, as the Bible says. Finally, forgive through a concrete act or a concrete sign. Don't let forgiveness simply stay as a velleity in your mind as a vague abstraction. No, no. Signal it with a word, with a note, with a visit, with a phone call, with some concrete sign. Let people know. Let yourself know that you've offered forgiveness. Friends, practice these things. I try to practice them. You practice them. Forgive because we've been forgiven. Our lives don't belong to us. They belong to God. Therefore, why are we clinging to all these past resentments? Let's let God's forgiving grace flow through us to others. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.